Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Alice, we're coming out of the closet together, my friend. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on, Don. And isn't that so true that we all have so much else to do every day? <laughs> like we have laundry, we have dentist appointments, we have school <laughs> supply lists. We have a million things to do without having to worry about some of these other things. And yet so many women across the country are taking on these battles, you know, that are hard. It would be easier to just stay in the closet sometimes, wouldn't it? Don't you sometimes think that? Yeah, and I think there were, I think a lot of people, I think of a mom when my boys were in, they were in middle school and there was a field trip and she had talked about the the economy. Her husband is a restaurateur and in business for himself and all the moms were like Trump bashing and all this and that. They're on the school bus, on the field trip as volunteer moms. I wasn't volunteering that day. And she made the comment, well, but we have to admit things were better economically when Trump was president. Sure loved that economy. And by the end, by the, by the time they got to the destination, Alice, my friend was in tears. All these other moms were literally bullying her on the bus because God forbid she said the economy was good under Trump. And and that's all she said. She didn't make a political statement. Which nothing. is like an undeniable fact. Yes. <laughs> you can't even argue with that. It's <laughs> obvious that the economy was better. <laughs> Hello. And if only I'd been on the, I think I feel guilty, you know, because I, I think, wow, I, if I'd been there and maybe, I don't know, we would have been in like a mom bus fight, I suppose, because we have to be out there and, and defend our friends. And maybe part of that is that it's important that we we, we are out of the closet and say, hey, it's okay. Conservative women, we have an equal voice. And why is it that women and moms are allowed to be shunned, whether it's by other other people in the community who are progressives or by the liberal media? It's not right. Right. And think about, you know, the other moms that maybe... Because I guarantee that mom was not the only one who felt that way on that bus. But the other moms that didn't say anything saw that and said, wow, I better not say anything, too, or it's going to be me getting bullied. It's going to be my kid who's not invited to the birthday party, you know, because and that's why they do it, because they want to shame more people into silence. Yeah, it's. It's so true, and it's it's important to be present and to to have each other's backs. And that's why, Alice, these seriously, these interviews with moms like you are important for me. And I I make a point to do this 
because I want I want every mom, every woman, especially, but every parent, grandparent, caregiver to know you're not alone. And and that's something that we have to point out here because there are too many people, like you're saying, who say, oh, I don't want to get involved. I, I better keep quiet. No, the opposite. Speak out. And if you see something, say something. I'm applying that saying, which is an important saying, obviously, that started after 9-11. Now for conservative moms, let your voice ring. Right, Alice? Exactly. Exactly. We have to be out there and saying this stuff and not mean, not angry, uh, you know, happy warriors. But, but you know, letting people know that there are other people with other opinions out there. And they definitely are out there. I'm so glad you brought up the Sound of Freedom movie, because what are we seeing? Broke $100 million in revenue for a movie that cost under $20 million to make, was barely marketed, nobody had heard of. Um, purely on word of mouth and people like this movie and mainstream people that I know who aren't politically involved mm-hmm. uh, like this movie and felt very moved by it. So I know that um, there are more people out there who feel like this and who don't buy into the mainstream Hollywood narrative. Yeah. And for me, I, I, for the life of me, I don't know. At first I thought, why, why is it? that all of these different groups are putting down the movie and saying, oh, it's it's conservative or it's Republican. And when you see it, of course, it's not at all. And then I do. And then it was revealed that some of the reviewers were actually um, accused in the pedophilia world. And that that whole thing blew up last week. And even, you know, I think about in in the headlines, whether it's you know across the country, we see various lawmakers, for example, or that former ABC news producer who was a high-level news producer facing, you know, he faces serious, serious time behind bars after those child pornography, after a, a guilty plea, in fact, with regard to owning up to the fact and pleading guilty to owning this child pornography. And in fact, some of the court records showing that this guy named James Gordon Meek he pleaded guilty to not only possession of this, but the the feds that were investigating him were looking at some of his different texts. And it's, I mean, I hate to even say it on the air because it's sick, but he was sort of fantasizing. I'm trying to make this nice and clean it up right. a little bit. but um, I did read some of this as well. I mean, but really the most horrifying thing oh. about toddlers, I mean, just really you need an extremely strong stomach. And it's everywhere. It's shocking. I mean, you know, it's in your churches, it's in your schools, it's in in this, it's in the media, it's in the government. We just had a case nearby us in New Hampshire, a New Hampshire state rep who was hailed um, by all these big name Democratic Party officials um, who was elected, you know, hailed as the Mm -hmm. first transgender state rep elected in the country, uh, Representative Stacey Marie Lawton, um, you know, pictures with Beto O'Rourke, pictures with Eric Swalwell, who celebrated the election of this trans person to the state legislature in New Hampshire. It's revealed he was um, having his girlfriend at the time, this 
man who um, goes by Stacy, having her, you know, take pictures of and abuse children at the daycare where she worked. And, you know, they're both now in trouble for child porn. But the same thing, when you see the court records, your heart just breaks because the the absolutely horrific things that some of these people say when they think no one's watching and you you have to be alert for this stuff. And it really makes you question, why do people, why does this movie make people so upset? This Sound of Freedom movie, why are so many people angry at a movie that's against human trafficking of minors? Yes. And, and you know, it makes you wonder because, because this stuff is everywhere. And the more they look for it, the more they uncover. And it's like picking up a rock and the creepy crawlies that you see under there just horrify you as a mother. Yes. Yeah, some of the trans, I, I honestly, Alice, I'm, I'm not going to read the, some of the transcript from this New Hampshire state representative who's now facing these federal charges of sexual exploitation of children. And where do you see this? But the text messages and, and one of them saying something to the effect, I always wanted to put my, you know, male private part inside one of these little children that was at the daycare center wanting her to send these explicit photos, et cetera. It makes you sick to your stomach. And the fact that they're not, that it's, it's not being reported widely. Is it being reported? Yes, it's reported, but placement of a story matters and, and the right. repetition of a story matters. So they can say, Oh yeah, we, Oh, we covered it, but it's buried. It's a story that's buried, and there's a reason that it's buried, just like they want to bury, for example, Sound of Freedom, or they want to bury a lot a lot of the stories that w- we as parents think are important, and they want to bury it for a reason because of the politics, the optics are pretty bad. <laughs> right. It looks terrible for them. That's why they don't want anybody talking about it. That's why they don't want attention called to these issues and they know that it is very compelling to people i mean more power to the smaller reporters and people who shine light on these issues to the smaller movie studios that pick up these movies that nobody wants to create that nobody wants to talk about instead of you know the next big superhero comic book movie that will make a bazillion dollars um and you know, that that tells stories that people want to hear. And I think the response of regular people to things like the Sound of Freedom movie are so encouraging because you know that there are so many people out there who do care, you know, who do actually want these stories told, who want to know what's going on in their communities and want people like this exposed so they can't hurt kids anymore. Yeah, it's so true. I, I know that there's a school choice movement in Connecticut. And there is a school choice movement in Pennsylvania. And our bu- our budget, for example, this is a huge battle because in Pennsylvania, we are one of many states, and this is a battle across the country, Alice, where uh, our governor, Josh Shapiro, who is a Democrat, but considered a moderate Democrat, had promised a school choice type voucher program for children that were in areas that are low income they have to they have to meet the criteria of low performing schools and then on top of it the parents would have to meet a criteria of being under a certain a certain poverty level and would you believe that it was going through it looked like it had bipartisan support until those democrats here in Pennsylvania who are heavily supported by the teachers mm-hmm. union 
got involved and at the last moment just put the kibosh on it. So there are many people still hopeful. We'll see what happens. We don't have a budget yet because of this this issue. But I know in, in Connecticut, this is a huge issue as well, where school choice programs matter, charter schools, whether they're voucher programs and they come in different forms. But it's a war being waged across the nation. And, and one of the reasons, I think, is because parents are becoming much more aware of what's going on and what's being pushed in some of our public schools. Right. And I think, you know, it, it goes back to parents wanting the freedom to raise their kids with their values and their ideas that they see as important, you know, and and a lot of people want to point at, they want to say it's Christians or, you know, that only conservatives want this, but, you know, you have in California, sometimes you have Montessori schools that are charter schools, Mm -hmm. um, or you have in Connecticut, a group that's making an LGBTQ school. So it's really, it, when people say choice, it's really about choice. It's about being able to raise your kid the way you want to raise your kid with the values that you think are important and not having a top down approach come down from the state, tell you that all the kids are going to learn this. And in a lot of cases, it it happens to be things that go against a lot of people's values. But you, you'll see, you know, in Maryland, a lot of Muslim parents saying that this goes against our values, what the schools are teaching. And, you know, it, there are there are so many different ways to be an American. And it really is about the diversity of those choices for parents to be able to make for their kids and not have the state school or a teacher's union, heaven forbid, who aren't even elected by any of us make these decisions for us. Because that's what we saw so much, you know, not just with these social issues, but even during COVID was who was calling the shots, but the teacher's unions. I didn't elect Randy Weingarten to anything, you know, I didn't put her in charge of my kids. And yet somehow she's the on deciding whether or not my kid is going to wear a mask to school. It's just, it's an out of control situation with these teachers unions and they've done such a disservice to public education in this country. And, you know, and it's not hurting, it's not hurting the rich families who can afford to send their kids anywhere. It, the families that it hurts the most are the families that don't have other choices for where to send their kids. But it's interesting to me as far as these these LGBTQ plus friendly schools and that parents, mm-hmm. so it's it's turning it upside down on the teachers union, is it not? Because now there are some parents who are actually saying, well, I like the voucher program because I want my LGBTQ plus student to go to an LGBTQ plus friendly school. So I want a voucher to send them to a school where, where they will be understood so they now want the voucher programs so they can choose where to go. And it, and it's sort of what's, what's a teacher's union to do? Because now they're, ha- they're, you know, it's being turned on its head, if you will, as far as, you know, all different, you know, diversity of parents now wanting these voucher programs. Right, because ultimately parents do want to be able to decide for their kids, and that's not just something that conservative parents want. It's something that all parents want um, to be able to decide for their kids. And, you know, it just pits people against each other when you force everybody to be in the same school building together and having the same curriculum and everything else when people want very different things for their kids, clearly. So, 
you know, I'm probably not about to send my kid to the school that's all about being LGBTQ because I think that the school should have other priorities. But, you know, that's the beauty of America and living in the United States is that if one parent wants to raise their kid one way and I want to raise my kid a different way, there should be room for both of us. And that's what the teachers unions fundamentally want because they want control and ultimately that's what it's about for them. If there's one school curriculum for everybody and they control it, then then that gives people like Randy Weingarten power and enriches them. It's so true. I mean, it's you're well said, Alice. Um, I, I, do you, what is an LGBTQ plus school? Does anybody know? That's I. I'm just trying to find. You know, if it's a place where there's no bullying, and then they just have regular curriculum. But I'm looking online, and they have these trainers, <laughs> and that sounds kind of ominous, does it not? Oh, trainers for these special schools. But I, I really don't. I don't know. And I, and these are relatively a new phenomenon. But I, I am curious. Right. And I don't know that there even really are any functioning. Like, I don't know if they'll be successful. But that's the other thing that's great about these school choice movements and these vouchers mm-hmm. is that if you make a school and people don't like it or people don't send their kids to it or there's not really a clear rationale for it to exist, then it will go away. Yeah. You know, if if a charter school fails, it fails, and then we don't have to give money to it anymore. Unlike the schools that have been serving so many communities so poorly for so many years that just fail and fail and fail, don't teach kids to read. And for some reason, we keep giving them more and more of our money. <laughs> That's so true. And then there's all this legislation that's happening in across the country, really, in, in states like Pennsylvania, um, the East Coast, the West Coast, especially all of all of this uh, so-called the war on women. And I right. find the wording so ironic as they look at reproductive rights. And these these are the talking points. Take me through your feelings about this, Alice. Um, you know, we hear so much about this, how this is harmful to women, um, you know, the war on reproductive rights, all these things. And I I really think, you know, I am personally very Christian and, um, you know, very against abortion. But we live in a country where we have to reach consensus, where for better or worse, we have to form policy on the basis of what people agree on. And I think there is a lot of room for us to agree on this issue. I really think most people feel that, um, you know, the, that these like very late abortions and things are, are really out of step with the rest of the world. You look at Europe, there's really nowhere in Europe or any other civilized country where you can get abortions as late in pregnancy as you can in, in many states in the United States. And I think what um, overturning Dobbs has done has really opened the way for once again, it's a matter of choice. We have blue states that have legalized abortion essentially up to birth under all circumstances. And, you know, we have some red states where we have, you know, even heartbeat bills, six-week abortion bans. Mike DeWine in Ohio passed a heartbeat bill and was reelected, you know, with with like a 20-point margin in his state. So, you know, there's definitely a lot of room for different states and different people with different values to sort of 
you know, work on this. The states, they call them the laboratories of democracy. And that's what I think is so great about the Dobbs decision is it's given the states the room to kind of figure out where this consensus is, where we as a society are going to land on this issue. And it's it's really so disingenuous to call it a war on women because these things are dangerous for women too, you know, and very in many cases i feel they victimize women women who are compelled to you know give up children that 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 might have been wanted in some cases when i think of moms for liberty we're talking to alice shattuck who's a, a broadcaster podcaster a mom who actually when is your when's the when's the baby due again alice October. October. So, so just getting into that third trimester. That, that's, that's, that's where I was going with it. When you're exhausted, like you're, so you're in the full energy stage, you know, <laughs> right now. But you think of Moms for Liberty, and I'm just looking at, there's one national headline within the past 24 hours Moms for Liberty Against Freedom for the Rest of Us? Question mark. And the Philadelphia, here in Philadelphia, the Inquirer can't resist. I mean, every day there's something bashing these moms. You and I, uh, have known a lot of the moms before they were part of, quote-unquote, Moms for Liberty, relatively new group. But it says uh, Trump, DeSantis, Haley make their 2024 pitch at the Moms for Liberty convention in Philadelphia. And then they go on. They just keep updating these stories over and over about how these moms are essentially uh, deplorables, you know, why they're they're horrible people and, and so on and so forth, and putting down these moms as extremists. What's your reaction to that kind of media coverage, Alice? I mean, if it weren't so just unfair and terrible, it would almost be funny to me because <laughs> like what we were saying earlier, there's only so much time in the day. I don't even have time to be an extremist. <laughs> I don't know where to find my local extremist group. <laughs> it's all I can do to get together with some moms. Like with, I mean, not right now, but sometimes with like a glass of wine and like vent about what's going on in the school system, yes. right? And it's you know to take people who are using their hard won time to try and make things better for their kids, whether that's in the schools or in the libraries or wherever it is, you know, to demonize them. It's so absurd and unfair and ridiculous. And I think it just shows that they're scared. They're scared of moms speaking up Mm -hmm. because they know how powerful it is. And they know that these moms are just regular people like you and me Mm -hmm. and that, and and that we might have a different opinion and and that's why they demonize and try and turn everybody into this terrible enemy list everybody as hate groups and extremists yeah i i feel so badly for some of these women who you know and i and i think at some point you just get a thick skin but it does help to have the numbers but i i look at what some of the women have to how they get trolled and they were being threatened and then we learned that, in fact, here in Philadelphia, for example, because there weren't enough supporters to rally outside where the Moms for Liberty were you know, gathering, they were mm-hmm. giving out gift cards, $300 gift cards, just walking up to people on the streets going, hey, there's this really crazy extremist group of terrorists in Philadelphia and uh, we just we just want to protest them and fight for our rights. And they didn't, you know, that's how they approach them and we'll give you a $300 gift card if you stand with us and protest. So they, 
So my question is, you know, where where's this dark money coming from? And it, we know the answer. It's coming from the Democrats and progressives. That's where it's coming from. It came from, for example, this young uh, group of, they're called like the young communists. That's who was putting this out in Philadelphia. Yeah. It's, cr- it's really crazy. Right. And people who are communists aren't extremists, but moms are. Yeah. That's what's so crazy. <laughs> How many people have communism killed? <laughs> Yeah, it, it was yesterday. It was the uh, the librarian who was so proud of the fact that she's the head librarian in the nation. And she's a Marxist, but she's not an extremist, Alice. You and I, we are extremists, you know, because we're conservative moms who just want a better economy. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I just want to ask you as seriously day to day, you know, going through your day and how many times because you're you're out of the closet. Right. As a as a conservative mm-hmm. mom, how many times, you know, a day, a week uh, does somebody ask you about that and how are you approached? What is that conversation? What does it sound like? Um, about that, I mean, not that often. I feel like sometimes people are almost like afraid to say anything about it. Okay. You know, it's funny, especially in our community, there was a lot of um, a lot of fuss about the masks and Mm -hmm. masking. And some of the parents like on my daughter's softball team, the my husband was one of the coaches and some of the other coaches really wanted the girls to be masked at softball all the time outside of course, far away from each other in the outfield to be wearing a mask. And, you know, it turned into like this big fight. And some of them don't talk to us anymore, to tell you the truth, because, you know, we endangered their children by not wanting to wear a mask in the softball outfield. But, you know, they won't even say anything. More often, honestly, I get people who will say like, oh, I was watching your show the other night. And, you know, they'll kind of secretly like give me the <laughs> wink wink that they that they feel the same and maybe just aren't as vocal too. So, you know, I do almost feel an obligation sometimes where I am, quote, out to keep speaking up because I know that it represents other people's voices too. Yeah. And and that's the important piece of it. And that's what I experienced too, Alice. And people can find you on Twitter or should I say X at Alice Shattuck and it's S-H-A-T-T-U-C-K, because all these people are going, mm-hmm. how do I follow that? And you're on Instagram, you're everywhere. And then you have the Burn Barrel podcast as well. And we can yes. see you on video and pictures of your beautiful family, your husband, your children. But that's what I find, too, is that I'm at, my kids are in sports and I have teenage boys in school. And so I find that moms and dads, but especially moms, look, Dawn, I listen to you. I love your show. And so what I hope is that by listening to us talking, it won't be a whisper anymore. We should not have to whisper. Not that we're shouting, we're not shouting, but why should we have to be silenced or whisper? Why should we have to be oppressed? And I think it's part of a process that we're all going through. It's evolving. But I feel like Mm -hmm. the more we talk about it, Alice, the more we can encourage everybody that, hey, we're in America, folks, and women... Are we are equal and we are allowed to speak out and no group, not Democrats, not progressives, not whoever they are, they do not have the right to stifle or silence our voices. 
Right. We're, this is America. We are allowed to have opinions now. <laughs> <laughs> you, you. We worked on this. Susan B. Anthony covered this. We're allowed to talk. <laughs> you just say they're barefoot and pregnant, you. <laughs> you deplorable extremist. No, it's, it's just, it's crazy. But I really do appreciate you. I hope everybody follows you and listens to and watches all your different shows and platforms. We need to get Alice Shattuck. Well, I was going to say we need to get you, you know, on Fox and on all the national platforms, even though you're you're out there. But uh, we'll let you maybe have the baby, you know, and have a little time off first. I know that's going to be (laughs) (laughs) that's going to be a hectic fall having a baby in the fall with getting kids. You and how many? Now I apologize. You have four other kids. Is this number four other kids? So this This is is number number five. five. So how does that look? How, what are your plans to get organized for the fall? Right? Because your, your, is mom help? Do you have grandmom helping with you and your husband, the fall routine and then the new baby? Um, it's mostly me and my husband. My brother-in-law helps a lot too. He Aww. doesn't have kids. So he kind of lives vicariously through <laughs> us. He loves to go to all the kids sports and everything. So yeah. And, and you know, at least we'll get through that really like, beginning of school intense period when everything's starting up and then you know every, i mean all the other kids are going to be out of the house at school in the fall so i almost feel like it'll be so quiet around here with just me and a baby uh-huh. relaxing when i'm on maternity leave so you'll get some precious yeah some precious one-on-one and then leading up to the holidays well Addis, alice shattuck we just love you and great reaction um as well from our listeners to yours. But until next time, Alice, thank you so much for checking in with us. And I just, I so appreciate your voice, which is an important conservative mom, female American woman voice. So thank you, Alice. Thanks, Don. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen. We have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.